Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Modeling says we're in a third, or maybe statistics says we're in a third COVID wave with variants leading the way. But where does modeling enter the picture? We keep hearing about modeling. And uh, I've been remiss in not asking questions about how it works. And we're going to do that now. Uh, We're joined by Professor Chris Bauer. He's a research chair in the Department of Applied Mathematics and a specialist in mathematical and computer modeling of infectious diseases. Uh, disease outbreaks at the University of uh, Waterloo. Well, he's at the University of Waterloo. We're not talking about disease outbreaks at the University of Waterloo. You can stop me anytime, Professor. I'm getting in deeper. <laughs> Hi, Roy. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's good to have you with us. So, uh, so we're in a third wave of, uh, of COVID now with variants leading the way. And if I understand it correctly, your modeling shows potentially 6,800 new cases a day by the 1st of April. And uh, Ontario's numbers today, and that's the first ones that lead sort of the, inter- the national news, 1,800, just over 1,800. Can you put that into context for us? What are we seeing? What does your modeling show? And how does modeling work? Yeah, so I, I guess I'll, I'll uh, tackle the how does modeling work question first. So basically, when you build a model, it's kind of like you're creating a almost like a virtual world that represents the real world as, as closely as you can. So in our model, we have uh, we have these. Uh, we try to account for the different age groups in Ontario. We uh, have all the different public health units represented in the model and how people travel between them. And then we also have the spreading process. So we um, assume that people can spread it in the simulation. Uh, and so once we've built that structure, which kind of it's 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 some um, you know like a toy. For example, a toy car is a bit like a real car. You know, it's got wheels. And, it captures certain features, and that's what the model's like. So, so it captures those essential features. Uh, and once we've got that, we we uh, use real-world data to uh, we, we, to fit the model. In other words, to kind of tweak it, calibrate it, like you would a tool, for example. Uh, and we use data on uh, Ontario age structure, uh, data on COVID cases, COVID death rates, etc., in order to kind of tune the model so it's so it's doing the right thing so that it's kind of repeating the patterns that we saw in the first and second wave. And then finally, after that's done, we say, well, what's happening in the third wave? So well, we have this variant, which is more transmissible, so I can tune the transmission um, in the model upwards by 40% or 50% to see how that variant is, is going to spread uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, and, and, and that's how we make our projections. Uh, and so the numbers are coming from. Okay, so uh, how accurate has the modeling proven to be? And I'm not trying to just uh, ambush you here, but there were there were numbers in mid-January suggesting there'd be forty thousand, up to forty thousand new cases a day by the middle of February. In fact, there were like nine hundred or a thousand. So that's a, that's a huge variation. I'm not suggesting that that's just the way it normally is. But how how accurate is the modeling? Yeah, that's that's a fair question. I'm glad you asked. So, you know, the accuracy. Well, first of all, models are not crystal balls. So um, you know, their, predict, their predictions are subject to things that can change going forward. Uh, so, for example, if I predict 6,800 cases by 1st of April, and then the government responds by tweaking the control efforts, maybe even in response to that projection, um, then the cases will actually be lower than that I predicted. So, you know, that's one thing that can happen, which can mean the projections change what actually unfolds is if the government changes their mind after the projections have been made. Uh, and there's other sources of error, too. For example, uh, 
we don't have perfect data. You know, cases are, are not all cases are reported. So all these things are a factor. And uh, when we do models, we create um, estimates of how uncertain the projections are. So kind of, you know, lower bounds and upper bounds on how many ca- cases we actually think there will be. Now, unfortunately, those are often not reported in the media. I'm not sure why. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily the right decision. Um, but, you know, oftentimes when you see these, these projections uh, uh, in print media or, or television, they just show a single line. But actually, uh, you know, good modeling work includes an estimate of that uncertainty. Um, but they, they can be accurate. So, you know, for example, we released a, a report back in uh, September uh, predicting a second wave of cases in Ontario. Uh, and that, of course, is what actually unfolded. Now, uh, you know, we didn't get the peak exactly right in terms of the timing, and we weren't really expecting to because, uh, because of these uncertainties, but I did predict a second uh, peak. Um, and now in the, in the current situation, again, there are uncertainties, but not just my model, but other models have, have predicted a third wave. I don't think it will be exactly 6,800 cases. Uh, I think it could be lower or higher, but there definitely will be a third wave. Um, and so, uh, so we just don't know exactly how many cases it will be, but it, chances are it'll be a lot given how transmissible this variant is. So this is information that is based on, uh, as you explained, the, uh, the formulas that are used, and it's information that's handed to the authorities and the decision makers, and they then should use their best judgment to apply what the modeling shows and, uh, and, and apply it in a rational manner. You're just providing them with additional tools to, to use. That's right. Yeah, we, we predict the cases, and then they make the hard call, really, about you know, what to do with that. Uh, I don't envy them their decision, but, um, but that's, that's our job, basically, is to say, well, if you want to do this, 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 uh, then this is the most likely thing that's going to happen. Okay. Can you give me a 30-second answer here, please, on what you perhaps expect by the end of 2021 with an increase in vaccinations? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think by the end of 2021, we'll be back to uh, a new kind of normal, because by then... Uh, we'll have herd immunity from the vaccine, uh, and I, I think we'll be looking forward to, to what's next, basically. Uh, so, you know, a new normal, uh, for sure, and we'll all be very glad to, to put this behind us. And um, that, to me, seems the most likely scenario. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.